0: welcome back to characters in class where we roll up DD characters without prior planning or forethought i'm colin carlton and i'm matt villian and today we're gonna talk about something different
1: we're gonna talk about the long hesitation I saw in your face before you said, Welcome to characters in class. Actually, I, I think I saw the hamster fall off the wheel this time.
0: <laughs> you know, sometimes it's actually intentional to like give myself editing space in the <laughs> uh, well,
1: I can tell sometimes it's intentional, and sometimes but I see sometimes like this not. this is this is look in your eyes of like Ooh, okay, here we go. <laughs> it's kind
0: of like you know, I think mentally it's like a it's like a roller coaster. <laughs> You're like, okay, I got it, I got it That's fine, I know exactly where we're going Oh, here we go
1: well, we're, we're, When we're recording our soon-to-be Actual play, which we'll announce on here Eventually, when it's ready to go live I yeah. the, I have, it is definitely The moment of panic before you hit go uh-huh. Like, oh no, I'm the one Who has to speak first, that's the hard part <laughs> The first person to talk on the show This is the hard part <laughs> um, But we we're talking about something Other than our usual topic this week
0: Yeah, we're going to continue our little discussion sessions with um what is hopefully helping people to either improve their playing style or at least have a little bit more comfort in actually
1: engaging in d and d so we're going to talk about the right character for the right campaign um which is fun because there's a i think it's an under 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 talked about under considered part of the character building yeah Uh, like DMs will just I don't know, bring anything, you know. Or players will have an idea, and they and they get very locked in on this idea of what they want to play, and and that might not be the right fit for the story. It might be, and it's finding that balance between what the DMs building for you to the, the sandbox that they're building for you to play in, and um, them giving you enough freedom to have fun, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you know you want to make sure that both sides are malleable, but that you're also the first rule of dnd talk to each other. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well that that goes back to the first thing we were talking about in the episode about improv is like listening and communicating and, yeah. and being perceptive uh and paying attention. I
1: and mean, the more I, I play this game the more I think about this game the more I realize it's a great communication skill builder. Uh-huh. Like I mean, I, I hear all the time about people using it for schools and it's like yeah. Yeah, of course they do, because it it teaches you to listen. It teaches you to have boundaries. It teaches you to for critical thinking skills and um, and communicating with the other people that are going to be at your table, hopefully for a couple of years. Yeah, it's good to start with that right away.
0: Yeah. Team building, skill building. Um, the, there's a lot of cross platform, for lack of a better word, communication, uh, social networking abilities that you can gain from just participating in this and, and doing it in a you know you don't have to be serious about it but doing it in a a way that you're not throwing it off as just some sort of like silly
1: you know half-assed well, board game and it something. gives you that there's a lot of times in life where something is thrown at you that you're not expecting uh-huh. and if you're kind of used to just handling things on the fly for fun i always think of it like you know, I played baseball as a kid and I would not be good at it now, but I regularly will just catch something that's fallen off the table out of the corner of my eye. Yeah. And it's like, still got that. I still got, you know, like that one skill, like, and it's like, I learned that for fun, but you know, there's been plenty of times where something should have shattered on the floor and I caught it, yep. you know, or like a kid fall is tr- almost about to hit his head on the, t- like, I get, I get. Many nephews and nieces who are the right height to smash their head off of a corner of something—they're all the same height. They're all the and and the the number of times it's just been like catching their head like a softball, just (laughs) funk. Like you know, still got that skill set. Didn't learn to to save kids from banging their heads on anything, but
0: a birthday party for you must be like Superman in Gotham. Like there's Mm -hmm. just there's accidents and crime around every corner. It's
1: chaos. It is especially and we changed so I grew up with that because we had um on my father's side there's 23 of us and we kind of you know how in D they say like the goblin culture is all raised together, like they just kind of throw yeah. all the kids in one room and let them sort themselves out. That was what I, I literally grew up like a goblin baby. Like just <laughs> put them all in a room. Here's a bunch of toys, see how they work out. Um And then we all grew up and then they all, I I don't have kids myself, but all my cousins started having a lot, a lot, a lot of kids. (laughs) So I like, take, take the 23 and multiply that because they kept making more of them. And then they, (laughs) and my family has birthdays are, are, they're our national sport. (laughs) We are currently in birthday season where there is at least a birthday a week from now till June. There's so much cake. So and now there are so many children. We had a good couple of years where there was so much drinking because we were all adults without kids. And now 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 it's just cake and pizza and screaming. But anyway, goblin children getting back to building the world setting.
0: You know, so as you use a DM, right? Yeah. Let let's briefly talk about I, you know, we don't want to campaign building can be its own yeah. episode altogether. But real briefly, like when you're going into this knowing that you're going to have people mm. um, and you're thinking of what to do for a campaign and a setting, what what's the first couple of steps for you or particularly related to the fact that you know you're having people coming in?
1: I think in terms of what, will, wh- what kind of a world the characters should be building for. Like I want to, uh, I'm not building the world for me. I am building a world that I'm going to have fun DMing in. hmm but I also want to set it up so that it's free form enough that the players can have fun with what they're going to do. Um, like right now I'm running simultaneously um, an urban campaign it, it's Gotham, you know, like it's, I named it Arkanos, like for the Arkham Asylum, like it is, it's Gotham. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and I wanted it to be fan, not, not true fantasy noir. Like there's not like, guns and detectives, but I wanted it to have that sort of rainy grace, windstripped, windstripped, everybody, everybody in the campaign is strep throat, swept streets. <laughs> um, you know, like I wanted to, like a, like sort of a low, not low fantasy. Cause I, I like, I like players to be able to use their spells and have fun with it, but sort of a um, street level, you know, street level concept. And so that's, that, that was the parameters that I gave them, like come up with somebody who would be here. I was doing that. And then um alternately i am running a carnival funny coincidence it was there is um uh what do you call it it just came out Not it didn't just come out it came out like like six months ago but uh wild Bell and the witch light which i i think is really cool but that i didn't i just ha- i i just liked the idea of the circus actually <laughs> like and um and and for both campaigns we're having some scheduling trouble and so i wanted a central location so that if if so and so can't make it they're performing in the big in the in the big top you know or for the the city campaign you're off doing your own thing you know you're you're whatever whatever your project is if you're a mad scientist you're working in your lab or something like that so th- that way players could miss a session and not get lost unlike the usual campaigns where you like you're on the road and like oh why is so and so not climbing the mountain with us how they get to the top of the mountain when they show up next week I wanted to make it sort of freeform, but I gave them that parameter, like, okay, the, the carnival, you can be a performer, you can be a guest, but just give me a reason why you're there. Like get, you have, right. give me some reason why you're at a carnival <laughs> for the start of this campaign with the campaign, your, your first full fledged campaign, uh, because it was, um, not intended to be a real campaign. It was intended to be a pandemic filler. Uh, I was like, all right, you're Mount, you're monster hunters. You're just getting hired to hunt monsters. Cause it was going to be monster of the week for a little while. And then yeah, um,
0: we, we were buffy. Yeah.
1: And that was all it was. It was like, you know, why? I didn't really even ask why, cause I didn't think anybody was going to stick around that long. Um, but if uh, looking back, what I would have done is like, okay, why are you taking up monster hunting? Do you have a death wish? Do you need money? You know, did, did it, were you, was was your family destroyed by a bullet? You know, like the, or I, I never know if it's bullet or bullet or bullet, but I, everybody knows what it is. The big shark oh, yeah. land shark, the, the d land shark, you know, like it, just give me a reason why you're hunting monsters. And then, pitch me an idea and i'm not gonna say no i might just help you tweak it to fit the setting you know well and we
0: almost took that away from monster of the week pretty quick if i remember right like we sort of naturally evolved a story all together with you mm-hmm. kind of within what a month
1: i like funny sessions but i like to have a serious story underneath the funny uh-huh. like i tend to have a i, I wanted like a a. a a serious, memorable arc underneath the comedy because every D session turns into shenanigans. It's just always shenanigans. It, but like, there was, you, you fought some were rats in Cheers. Like, literally <laughs> oh, every yes. NPC in there was based off of a character in Cheers. But I wouldn't have done that <laughs> if it was going to be a serious campaign. But I'm like, okay, well, we're going to come out of lockdown in a couple of weeks. So just you know, and all all I was doing was like throwing gold at you to go hunt them. Okay, we think there's this something fishy at this bar. Go find the where rat. And it turns uh-huh. out a, a bunch of them were rare rat. It wasn't just one. The story kind of came out of all of you spending time together. Yep. You know, so I I didn't. Um, and some DMs are more dead. You know, dead set on having an arc for each for the characters. I wanted to know what the, the I always ask what What do you want your character to accomplish? Yeah, you, know, you look for like, the motivation. Yeah, yeah, it's and um, the best thing you can do for your DM is bring bring a motivation to be there, (laughs) like not only to be there as a human being at the table or the Zoom call, but you know why is your character here at all? The the hardest thing to do as a DM isn't it's easier to deal with a player who's doing something off the rails in character. Yep, (laughs) it's 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 that's less difficult than the character that doesn't seem to want to be there.
0: Uh, you know, what I was thinking too, is when you were talking about how now you've structured it so that people can be in the big top or be mm-hmm. off in their lab or whatever, you're, you're, you're writing that how, uh, I don't know if you saw the Netflix season of arrested development or not. No, no. They brought it back after like, I don't know. It, it was like four or five years. Mm. They, they brought everybody back for one season um, wasn't as good, obviously, it never is. And the everyone had such scheduling conflicts that they ended up scheduling people so that they were never really in the same scene together. Mm-hmm. You could get two of the characters in the scene together or three of the characters, but really everybody, the story was structured in a way that everybody was off on their own little plot line. Mm-hmm. and eventually, you know, two or three would cross paths. And that was all fine because they were in the world and you were watching a show with all of them in it, just not at the same time. Mm. So it feels a little bit like that. It's almost like a very, uh, a way of cinematically utilizing your actors or players in this case for
1: the actual campaign. Yeah, it's the, the funny part is set it up in such a way to make it free form. And for the, at least for the city story, Almost everyone shows up every week. One player yeah. has had a big career change. So she's had a lot of trouble getting there, but the rest are there consistently every week. And it, and it it's like, Oh, maybe I didn't have to, maybe they could have been on the road. Like I didn't necessarily need to be a stationary campaign. I, if I yeah. had known that was going to be the case, everybody's life was up in the air for a little, for a couple of weeks. They're like, you know what? Let's yeah. just, we'll, I'll make it easy. I'll make it easy. That way you can always just show up whenever you need it. If it's, if it's set in the city and you miss three sessions and then like, you can be out looking like, where's my friends? You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, oh, I came looking for you because I had a bad feeling. Oh, that's a perfectly good, re- you know, in a world where people are dying by dragon breath. Yeah, I had a bad feeling about my friends and I went looking for you. Is a perfectly good Deus Ex Machina for you to show up during a campaign.
0: Well, and it um, cuts through to even, I, you know, I don't know if it, I, I don't know if it's too much or too little to qualify critical role as like a more professional <laughs> version of d <D&D>. d <laughs> But, I mean, it hit them, too, because Ashley Johnson had to go film Blindspot, and they had to do something with that character, and they were very locked into it. Whereas, you know, if if, if it was like how you were talking about and structured a little bit differently, that could have been a little bit more easy to deal with or write around.
1: Well, and it's you know when we I was saying earlier I want to you know what's your reason for being there I and not every DM can do this not every DM should feel like they have to but if there's something your character wants to accomplish or that you want your character to accomplish I will build in mini arcs where somebody's the star and I think a lot of yeah. campaigns work out that way we're like okay well this is Colin's moment in the sun and this is. The hard part with that is if you're having schedule trouble, what if somebody can't be there when it's their turn, yeah. you know, uh, it's a little bit easier when you've got multiple plot lines and like, okay, we can skip this person for a couple of weeks while they're in Honolulu or whatever. But that, that takes a lot of flexibility on the DMs part too. Cause you're, and really uh, it, it's worth scaling back because we, you know, building the right character for the right campaign. Um, f- it's worth asking the DM, like how structured the campaign is going to be before you pick your character. Yeah. Um, uh-huh even more than that, you should also like I, I, like get 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 tonal advice, you know um, I think of we've all had that campaign where like, okay, this is going to be a dark, serious storyline and someone shows up, I went to clown school. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. okay. It's like my name it is <laughs> it is Bobby nasal fuzz. <laughs> and I'm a rogue circus clown. And It's like, yeah, but we're playing we're I're we're, we're, we're playing Game of Thrones and you're Bobby nasal fuzz. you're not you're totally discordant from the rest of, or vice versa. You've got the one miserable player who really I am a grim dark I want to go. out and. I've got a vengeance against all orcs. And it's like, yeah, well, well, we're playing romper room over here. Like you might've shown up to the wrong campaign Um, and having that conversation with like the DM and with other players to make sure you've got the right tone when you're making your character so that you said it it feels more comfortable for everybody at the table.
0: Yeah, because that could cause, you know, in the wrong setting or the right setting, I guess depends on how you look at it. Like that could cause a real rift between friends that could cause uh oh yeah problems you know that could
1: break up the campaign i am um, it's, it, 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 it's it's not so much a war story but it's funny i was running um early on it was again like sort of the like getting my feet wet with running with a bunch of strangers and i was using the ghost of salt marsh uh source book it's by the way for new new dms that want to try a campaign book that one is so easy to run like that. And it gives you so it unlike a lot of the other campaigns, you can really just drop into your world. It, it isn't really set in anybody else's setting. You don't need to know where it's, just, it's about. It's a story taking place at a fishing village. It's great and and it, a lot of flexibility. Oh, so it was funny because, you know, okay, it's this pirate ships and smugglers, and you're literally on the ocean and you're going to fight Sahuagan and sea monsters. And one of the funniest things that happened, and this is one it can work out well. But for another, for a less flexible campaign, it might cause you some problems. We had um, a Fire Genasi who hated being wet and a player <laughs> who, I don't know if I've mentioned this player on previous podcasts. This was the longest con I have ever seen a player commit to fully in all of my years of DMing. He said, can I play a gnome-sized tabaxi who pretends he's a real cat? And I'm like, I want to see how this turns out. Yes. And Follow- he uttered not a single word in character for two and a half years, but he's playing a cat who hates the water. <laughs> so we've got a fire Genasi who hates the water and refuses to get wet. And a cat who refuses to get wet. And on multiple occasions, they're attacked by say a sea monster. And they're like, Nope. <laughs> <And> just <laughs> like, peace out of the combat. No, nope, And definitely. I'm like, and for us because it was a, it was a comedic campaign that worked if you're if you're in a campaign where like you really need everybody to participate, like you can't just piece out of a situation because right. that's what you that is the, the bane of all uh, player character choices is that's what my character would do if it hurts the group in general like there's, that's what my player character would do like I'm not going to kill this captive. okay that's not what your player would character but if you're making a lot of choices that are contrary to the the setting. It's okay to be contrary. Yeah. contrary to the DM is totally like cool. That's what we're here for. You know, like you're we're here to, we're here to have fun being, sl- being in conflict with each other in a way like it or, or, or um, ar- 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 arbitrating the situation. You know, it's like a, you don't want to build a character that doesn't feel comfortable in the setting. Yeah. I, I, I really want to make it clear that I had a lot of fun dealing with these two characters that were afraid of the water. They spent a lot of time on boats, like a lot of time on boats. <laughs> it was the ghosts of Salt Marsh, it's right there in the title. Um, but I could see if it was a less improvisational, less goofy kind of setting, that's gonna make a lot of things difficult. That could that, that had the potential in a different campaign to make a lot of things more challenging, both for the DM and for your fellow players, which is why it's a good thing to ask, like, okay, I'm thinking about being a hydrophobic wood elf. In, yeah. And it's like okay, well, we're running. Um, it's going to be D the Pirates of Penzance. So everybody you else want to rejoin. So yeah, you know, like literally, every other player has taken okay. some form of water breathing. Um, yeah. yeah, that might be a <laughs> that might be a challenge. And my advice for DMs would be be flexible because you want your players to have fun. Right. But there is that sort of balancing act of like making sure you're making you don't want to be the, the enemy of fun at the table. Um, save that. Sa- have a drawer we all have it right you get the, the files on your desktop of characters you haven't used yet and you know you might want to say if like okay um, it's an underdark campaign maybe don't play the the character who literally can't function in the dark you know Right. <laughs> having a character who might be afraid of being underground and having that be like a psychological horror for them it, that works great but if it's like crippling and can't actually um, it gets in the way of having fun. That might be a concept to save for another for another story.
0: Well, and plus two, that could be the first sign. You know, if you're unwilling as a player to compromise on the mm-hmm. character you're building for the setting, uh, and or whatever the character you're trying to incorporate is being you know crumpled up and thrown away by the DM entirely without trying yep. to you know workshop or anything like that, you, that might be a good sign that you might not end up having fun where you are and that could be a good that could be
1: a good indicator of things yet to come that's it's a perfect that's why i mean i like to do session zeros to test out the characters like but Uh i play with a lot of people that i've been playing with forever so like but if you're playing with new people that you've never played with before um using a session zero to to talk about tone or talk about themes or talk about comfort levels and then you can kind of that's a good point to see like okay maybe this isn't going to be the right campaign for me, the right DM for me were a wrong combination.
0: Yeah, because how would um, you know?
1: Yeah, You're if, especially if you're playing with, like, I think of things like when you're meeting a group on Roll20. Uh-huh. Um, You know, like uh, uh, hunting for online groups because you might not have a group locally to play with. You got to mesh. <laughs> and, yeah. and that uh, starts with, uh, you haven't done a ton of DMing, right? A couple of sessions here and there. Yeah. But like, what, do you, what would you want to know before you got there from a DM? Like, what, what, what would what would you hope to not even have to ask, or what would you ask if the, if it wasn't presented?
0: So here, so here's something that I had to put together. Cause my, so my kid's nine mm. and they wanted to start playing DD after I did. Uh, so that was fine. Started doing mm. that. They decided to play a tabaxi whose clan was uh, kidnapped. Basically mm. the, the whole clan was abducted. And that was kind of, That was kind of where I took the campaign idea from. Mm. So they had decided that, and I don't even know why, I think they just picked a species, like no rhyme or reason, but they were convinced that dwarves had abducted a whole clan of tabaxi. Now, statistically speaking, I'm not
1: sure that would have worked out well for the dwarves. (laughs) depending on how a, many they are. I'm having a hard enough time controlling an eight pound cat as a new grown man. <laughs> I think I think I see where this is going for the dwarves. You know, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like literally on this podcast, I'm having trouble controlling an eight pound tabaxi. Right. So, you know, <laughs> a bunch of, a bunch of what six foot tall cats,
0: uh, all fighters and rogues armed to the teeth. It might not work out well for the dwarves. Not sure. Who knows? Could be totally wrong, Mm. but anyway, my kid was convinced that this their clan of tabaxis was kidnapped by dwarves. So I was like, in my head, okay, this seems vaguely racist. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure. Let's let's not deal with this outright. (gasps) Let's deal with this in game. So I kind of created my world and pulled not overtly but I pulled dwarves out of the settings wherever they Mm -hmm. went you know wherever they were traipsing around there weren't dwarves there were mostly humans and some other like uh, humanoid creatures but they started off in you know what was the the north so there was a lot of humans there as they traveled further south they saw different things and more uh, exotic creatures and species but Mm -hmm. The further along we went, the more I peppered in the fact that you don't see dwarves because they have been uh, um, subjugated. Mm -hmm. So basically dwarves have been taken into a slave trade to mine throughout the the land, the country, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So I sort of flipped the script on them to... In a way, teach a lesson about uh, you know, you, not taking you, things at face value and you and Obi-Wan Kenobi did it. I Obi-Wan Kenobied it. So that's sort of what I did with that. And that was that was me kind of thinking on the fly about it, but you could definitely go into building your campaign and talking with your your players about, okay, you know, so for instance, let's say, let's say you do want to play a more serious campaign Mm -hmm. we tend to more have fun with it but i know people do more serious ones so if you did want to do a more serious one okay let's look at like race relations what would that look like in a world where you can have dragon people and lizard people and humans and cats they're not all gonna get along we're Mm -hmm. all
1: humans on earth and we can't even fucking get along like i ended up um it's uh, we had a I had a player asking to play a drow which it's there's a long standing negative connotation for dm's and drow's uh because of the book series with the um the, everybody wanted to play a play a drow ranger for 15 years but um and that led to some sort of almost comedic level dislike of players playing them and uh but this is for the city setting and i'm like okay And I had already established that I don't have any, there's no monolith uh, Uh in terms of, in terms of species relations, but I had determined that there'd been the war between the underdark and the surface people um, that had quelled, but people were old enough to remember much like world war II veterans, you know, like they they don't quite get over what they experienced. So there's people that are old enough, especially with elves and dwarves, people that live hundreds of years, humans are past it because you know, their great grandfather experienced that and he's long dead in the ground yeah within um, a generation it's over um but it, it wasn't my intent until the player asked and this is a good way to talk to your dm and maybe you can build something in. i want to play a drow in this urban setting i'm like okay the drow are in little italy the underdark is little italy it's it's uh-huh. new york it's 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 um in the city i mean G- gotham is chicago really right so arcanos is Chicago maybe maybe New York I don't know something it's got that kind of vibe to it Uh Um, so these folks came to the surface to build a life for themselves you know and it was it was we were able to build sort of like this rich background for her family you know who had it's the um, and I'm particularly aware of my lack of experience of being an other given what I am Um, but you know, like I can comfortably say like grandmother's parents got here from Ireland and died young, you know? So like th- we have that level of the immigrant experience in our family. And I remember, you know, like the struggles of having, you know, raising, she raised her three younger brothers, uh-huh. um, got- took them out of foster care when she t- turned 19. And, you know, it's so, like, there's that, that, that I- I'm like, okay, I- I'm comfortable with that sort of experience. So, um, you know we've built this world of where like where parents open a shop and and there's still the discomfort between like the Underdark and the uh, folks and the but they're there and it's a functioning society and i wouldn't have necessarily thought to build that um if the player hadn't asked me about playing that type of character in the setting i'm like okay let's Uh build i had no idea what to do with dragonborn i don't know if i talked about this this character on the podcast before but um yeah i think uh i mean i think you brought it up a little bit i think yeah. you touched on it yeah it's it, i don't dislike dragonborn i just never know what to do with them right? <laughs> you know because like, they're so weird they're so weird <laughs> um they're not dragons they just look like them you know they get dragon powers but they're not really dragon right. um but i love that instead of me being the dm being like no i hate dragonborn like okay you're making me think about what the hell a dragonborn is like in this society yeah um and in this big pastiche of a city all right so let's decide where dragonborn exists in the hierarchy of the city and and what you know Mm -hmm. being not just outsiders from another place in the world but like that it's a dragon dude walking down the street is slightly more noticeable than you know a hobbit and so it's not like having the players ask like i give them it's like a to b to c here's a setting what do you want to play you want to play that Okay, that's B. C, okay, now I as the DM want to work with you as the player to put you in this world. It's more work than you might need for like a hack and slash, you know, like, okay, you're going to go into a dungeon and kill a bunch of stuff.
0: And I think for those things, you don't, you know, you don't have to put this much level of thought right. into it. But, but for um, if you're if you really want to dig in and make something that could last a while, but you want to be respectful of all your players and you want to have a mutual understanding of it, a good place to start is to open up that communication line
1: yeah and and if you tell the dm ahead of time what you want to accomplish with the character you're not a you're not catching them off guard and b they can a, a, a dm who is empathetic can go like okay so i'm just gonna pick i i am extremely fortunate that my, my every player that I dm for really does ask like good questions but yeah being like nightmare scenario i'm the son of a noble from this place in the world that doesn't exist on the map because you've just made it up on the spot. And you know, my family is this and that and the other th- So you've built this whole hierarchy of, uh, of a family situation without asking about the setting. A good DM can be like, okay, so you want to be a noble in this setting. Let's build a house, you know, let's build a, let's build a noble scenario. Let's figure out a place in the world where you might be from, um, as opposed to kind of springing it on them. I actually had, uh, it was funny. I had a, it was a, teaching campaign where everybody like nobody had ever played before maybe as kids and we just slapped together fighter cleric you know rogue like just the basics and i didn't ask them any questions i had i didn't know how long it was going to last i didn't know how how i didn't know how good i was going to be at teaching it well over a year into it they then they started to throw backstory stuff at me and that was a life lesson for me. I'm like, okay, I'm not ready for this. I needed that backstory ahead of time so I could build the groundwork for you before level uh-huh. eight or something. And so that was, I put that on me for not asking the players ahead of time. But I also, it would have been good to hear that they were thinking about doing that ahead of time before they sprung it on me too. So I could be like, okay, let me prep this for you. So that's sort of, you know, if the DM hasn't asked you, this is a good, here's a good player tip. If the DM hasn't given you much guidance, ask them for some. Ask them. Ask them for what they're thinking about, so that you can, because you want you want to meet the you want the tires to meet the road smoothly, you know. Ideally, Um, yeah. And hopefully, you asking questions about the setting to make sure that you're building a character that's going to fit in this world. You're not be building Conan if you're playing the. I was was trying to think about the fluffiest. The first thing that came to mind is like, don't build Conan if you're playing in the Dragon Prince. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's <laughs> this, 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 yeah, there's swords involved, but that's the only thing that Conan has in connection with the dragon. You know, like, the, you got to kind of make sure you're on the same, you're sympathetic like, there.
0: You know, make sure your animation style is the same kind of animation
1: style as the rest of the show. Make sure it's not farming out. I, that's actually a great analogy for it, too, because like, you don't want adventure time characters showing up in, uh, yeah, what would be a good one? Uh, Castlevania. Uh, yeah. Get you yeah. know if Jake from Adventure Time shows up in Castlevania, <laughs> he's effed. You know, like make sure your your animation styles merge correctly. By the same token, can you picture if if uh, Simon? Not Simon. Shoot, was it Simon? No, Trevor. No, which Beaumont, Which Belmont is in is in? Trevor the, is, is it? Trevor. Trevor. Here's the problem with being forty five years old. I remember all the Belmonts from when from from back with Atari. You know what I mean, like, or, 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 like I just ran through like I don't know which Belmont was it. This is the thousand. You went a whole. You did a whole Belmont lineage. I went. Yeah, I went down the family family line there till I got to the right yep. one. Shit. Okay, that just showed my age. But yeah, like Trevor shows up dropping F-bombs and drinking heavily in Adventure Time. You're probably not, you know, you you have a ton of, unless that's the idea. It's like, okay, what happens if Trevor and Jake and Uh Rayla go on a road trip? That is actually a show I would watch. (laughs) Well, and see, that's that's the great part. If you talk about
0: it, you could make that. Absolutely. If you don't talk about it, you you know, you're going to show up being like, make them bacon pancakes, make them pancakes, make them bacon pancakes, make them pancakes. And then the Belmont's going to come in like, what the fuck is this?
1: Or you've got, I mean, what would probably happen is you walk in with that and suddenly you get decapitated by some, you know, three-headed demon.
0: But, uh-huh.
1: um, but also, um, it, it's collaborative storytelling. If you, you ever tried to write, like I am, uh, we say it on almost every show, we both write books for a living. Yep alone (laughs) alone (laughs) um we have not written anything together you you and i have we tried i found the notes the other day for the space superhero opera thing that we worked on for years yeah but even that was gonna be we were gonna write a chapter (laughs) yeah and (laughs) we we couldn't do it because because it's so hard and we we think alike we like the same types of stories i think the only difference is you lean harder on hard sci-fi and i lean harder on magic you do but that's that's really the only tonal difference that we have otherwise we are simpatico on on our storytelling styles uh-huh. um and even we couldn't be like ah but you know it's just easier to do it by yourself but with with these types of games you really are telling a story together and you got to kind of respect yep. the other person's narrative yep. um in all directions the other players at the table the DM yourself um, absolutely and find ve- and, and making sure that the, your tones are all matching and you know this might be a good this might be a good one to talk about
0: giving each other space too. Mm-hmm. Cause I know, you know, like in the the first discussion we had, we really encouraged people to like, feel free to improv and, you know, not, not worry about what they were doing and sort of freewheeling it. And that's all well and good, but also, you know, don't absorb the space so much that the DM doesn't have an, uh, time to talk or time to tell the story. Don't take all the fun time away from all the other players too. Because nobody should be the center of the story. It should be everyone, including mm. the world and the story. So everybody should sort of have like an equal amount there. So just be careful not to like um just eat up the whole time with yourself.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a balancing act. I've actually found that I've got a, I've got a couple of players who are wildly quiet, and I have to pay attention to them to make sure they get their moment in the sun. Yeah, and and at least one of them doesn't particularly even want the moment of the sun. He's just there to be a support. He wants to be a supporting character. Uh huh. We've um, actually got a couple of players who are very happy to be this. They they don't want to be. Um, they don't want to be Aragorn. They're happy to be, yeah. be. Be be Merry.
0: You don't need to be the heir to Gondor. You can just. But 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 you happy, can um,
1: but you can. You have the players there where you, the, as the DM and as other players. it Actually, it's a huge boon for the DM if other players watch out for those players too. Yeah. Um, and ask them questions. Like one of my favorite things is if one of the other players asks the question that brings the quiet player into the conversation so I don't have to. Uh-huh. Um, I love that because it makes my life easier as a DM, but it also means that I don't feel like I'm calling them out. It's, it's They're being involved by the fellow players um and then on the other end of the spectrum you've got the people that are just dying to be the hero of the story and and uh and can't help themselves to just jump in they want to they want to they want the killing blow every time yeah it's a funny balancing act because it's okay to want both you Uh know um really it's i'm thinking a lot lately about because people will criticize that the game is too much of a combat simulator for months now i'm like well you know I i can run months of games without any fights it's just, it's a, it, it, it's the table, you know, at the end of the day, you are kind of playing superheroes and you are kind of playing adventure. You know, you're, you're the, it, it, the, there's a draw to the heroic side of things. And I like the DM heroic story. So like wanting that killing blow or wanting to cast fireball, you know, like the, that's, that's not only understandable, that is actually like a very natural reaction to the game, but you're right. Like, listen, don't fill up the space. Let, let other people have, you know, share the pool. Um, well and just like talking
0: to the dm to make sure the character fits into the campaign talk to the other characters and make sure that talk to each other because um miranda who we had on she and i were going to play brothers and sisters in the campaign Mm -hmm. and so we i mean we probably went deep into it because we went through our whole like history and we really (laughs) dug in deep we actually didn't take our own advice that we had been talking about we wrote uh uh you know like a little mini novella instead of writing a resume um,
1: <laughs> about the characters and we still really haven't gotten to play those characters <laughs> oh, yeah oh you have those you have that whole that is going to happen yeah that is going to be the, um, the brother and sister team the, I... the, the, the the that that will that will happen because we're gonna have like we're doing we're for the people at home are doing the thing, the uh, actual plays and I'm going to showcase different settings. So we will get to see them, but you did yeah, You played out, you wrote a whole yeah. mini epic for those two.
0: Yeah. We, we had it down so uh-huh. that, you know, and, and that's something that you can do with a different player too, because that's a whole different level where I... Now you're interacting with this DM, but you're also interacting with your friend or maybe this stranger that you Mm want to have this next level campaign with.
1: It's it's funny because I always ask for a couple of people that you care about when you're creating Mm -hmm. a character as a DM um, so that it gives me something to... Let's be honest, something to hurt you with later, you know? Like, oh, my best friend from childhood who has been taken by demons or something, you know, like it, it gives me a target but it also, if you can create a bond with one of the other players, that's one less person that the DM has to create whole from whole cloth. Yeah. You know um, it's one less person they have to give a voice to because you've got, and it gives you a chance to lateral conversation at the table. um, I'm doing hand gestures on a podcast. Um, Instead of it always being vertical, uh, you know, up and down uh, DM to player. It makes it sound like the DM is above, but you know, like instead, instead of it being, yeah aimed at the DM screen so that every interaction happens through this one hub, that lateral conversation, because you have a shared history. Um, God, I I don't know a DM in the world that doesn't love when his players have a history together because it gives you something to care about.
0: And then you end up in situations where say, you know, you're, you're in a campaign with four to five people Mm -hmm. and, but you have a more of a rapport with one of the characters when you're in a combat situation and it's getting bleak mm-hmm. who do you give your one healing potion to <laughs> yeah you know do you give it to your friend who's a rogue or do you give it to the other player who's a cleric and can heal everybody or who's who's a wizard or a barbarian you know you know there's there's a dynamic there then which adds a a, a deeper layer to the campaign into the world where if you're all working together and communicating about who you are, then there's some choices to be made.
1: You and know, that's, now you have this
0: dynamic
1: story. That's a great point, too, because um, there is a lot of number crunching and game mechanic kind of thing. Like, yes, the smart thing to do if you're playing World of Warcraft, you heal the cleric if he goes down because he can fix you later on. Uh-huh. Um, but if you're telling a story together and it's a choice between saving your sister or saving the priest, you might be able to save your other friends. And it is totally viable to make the unwrap, the irrational choice. You'd make the emotional choice, yep. but you've got to build that in or it helps to build that in like as a player, I would encourage, and and not just with one other player, like it kind of, it, it, I, I, I've done both where everybody's a stranger at the start of the campaign um, and I've done ones where everybody like okay so you've already been working together for a while your crew right. and I've done ones where you tell you tell me if you know any of these people and they're all viable options but um, talking that out before the game starts and then that also helps you world build for the campaign yeah you know, are you have you decided your mercenary group have you decided like do you have a long standing grudge with one of the other players or, or like a rivalry, like the two of you always fight over who gets the killing blow. You know what I mean? Like the okay. barbarian and the fighter love each other. Can't stand not getting the killing blow. So it's this, this fight to the end. And then that actually can impact the game mechanics. Like, yeah, do you do, you do the smart play or do you try to stab the monster <laughs> because you want to get it before Bob does, you know?
0: Well, and you know, how deep do you go with something like that? Do you in the middle of a combat round do you uh do you push the other player out of the way (laughs) so you can get to the the villain first um
1: yeah do you compete over over access to the monster do you um outdo the other player or do you i mean and also if you build that kind of rapport you can have those really like tender moments where like your rival goes down like you could get the killing blow, or you could save the guy uh-huh. that you have this rivalry with. And then the killing blow goes to someone else entirely. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, he's my best friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or I'm in love with this person or something. You're like, this whole, like you could have this great revelation.
0: And when you, if you do get deep into it, so, you know, if you do play one campaign and one character for a year, you know, year and a half, two years, something like that. Mm. And you have these friendships with the other characters who are just as same level as you, been around as long as you. And now, uh uh-oh, they went down and they've rolled two death saves and Mm -hmm. they failed them. What do you, you know, all of a sudden, because I can remember specific like fights where it's all shifted and somebody, it was clear that we all went into this with a cocky plan and we thought we were going to walk out. (laughs) Uh, which fight was this? Do you remember? Th- this would have been the camp. This would have been the running campaign.
1: The running campaign was it? Uh, I'm curious which fight it was that there, because it... there's a couple where I I ran it I ran at you guys hard because you I think just cause it was it was the right time you know but
0: I think it probably would have been in the Underdark if I'm remembering
1: right. Oh, was it the fight um, against the Illithid that most of the almost uh, got very close to having the whole party wipe? Yeah, it might have um, been. The, yeah,
0: yeah, it might. That might have been the one, because I, you know, I just remember like the, the kind of emotional baggage got heavy, all yeah. of a sudden, <laughs> and everybody was like, oh,
1: oh, uh oh. Yeah, that was. It's funny the lo- real life versus, um, player or character life uh, bits. That was the. If we're thinking of the same fight, we had the player who had um, a sword of vengeance. So if someone hurt yes her character, she had to attack, she had to attack until one of them died. Nobody knew you had the not you that she she had this. Her own sister did damage through an area of effect spell, and they're fighting. And it was one of those, like the good DM checking. Everybody cool, yeah. And, <laughs> everybody and, and, right? and, and, and and I will never I will never not laugh at this. Cause it was the two sisters fighting each other. It's like, don't worry. We've been working on this for 40 years. And I'm like That's the best thing I've ever had said in a game. It's like, you know what? That's, that's why we play this. Don't worry. Don't worry. We've, we've been, we've been running through this stuff for 40 years. We're just, we're just knocking each other around a little bit. It was priceless. Yeah, um, that
0: is really funny. That was a great one. And the, the, if, if you are really communicating and communicating with the DM and communicating with the world,
1: because mm-hmm. at
0: that point it's a character. You have stuff happen like that and you have stuff like Miranda and I's characters were friends in that campaign. And she also had a cursed item. It was very clear that it was self harming her Mm -hmm. and she didn't want to get rid of it. So my character got into a fight with her. (laughs) And (laughs) since we were both Dex based, we basically got into a slapping (laughs) match because we couldn't punch each other because we kept dodging. (laughs) out of the way and our strength was shit anyway so it didn't matter
1: and then we resorted to just thunder waving each other (laughs) yeah i think and i think the thunder wave actually clipped the person with the sort of vengeance that caused the other problem that yeah the dnd shenanigans the 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 fact that it was a slap fight between two people with max decks and no strength so you couldn't hit each other you're just whiffing all over the place start casting spells hurt one of the other players and that was one of those situations where the players are so into it i'm like is everybody cool is anybody re- is you're gonna do a temperature check is anybody actually mad right now or is this all just in characters like no, no it's all in character But that's the best part about this game when you get that deep in uh-huh. um and what's funny it's funny that the, the amount of emotional resonance that those characters had when you've got that was the one campaign i've run well I, other than the teaching campaign that that was yeah. Uh, that was intentionally low stakes um, so that everybody could learn how to play. With this one, it was not supposed to be a long-term campaign. It was supposed to be a couple of weeks and just, just to kill some time during the pandemic. So all of that happened organically in game in the world, all the bonds that formed all of yep. the rivalries that formed was all just sort of in real time without preparation.
0: No. And that was, you know, not to give anybody listening like a false interpretation of what their next campaign could be. That was a very special like, you know, group and everything hit at the right time and the right mm-hmm. moment. And so we all kind of came together and we're all pretty like-minded people anyway. So it's it's not surprising that that happened. But yeah, it it was a little bit of like magic spark because yeah. you got there and a, most of us were pretty different. Mm for besides like a few commonalities like the majority of people playing in that all had different jobs different backgrounds mm. um and so it was one of those really interesting situations where it's like oh i don't think we would have met each other yeah. and become friends if we weren't kind of tossed into this which is also like a weird side effect of the pandemic that I don't think was limited to us. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people found their lives on like a different course and their friendships on a different course and things like that.
1: Yeah. So it was kind of crazy. This particular game, I I think it happened across the board, a lot of, a lot of places, but I think this particular type of game also, we're trying to kill time when they couldn't leave the house you're playing pretend with each other playing pretend with each other is the most vulnerable thing you can do absolutely i mean even like at least if you're acting that's a job Uh uh-huh playing in a a role-playing game you are literally grown-ups playing pretend which is amazing and delightful but it can feel real silly and it can feel real awkward and to have a bunch of people who don't know each other playing pretend some some of whom still to this day have not met face to face Right. That's right. Um, and are still playing together. Um, and that was without any preparation, but that was also talking about right players, right. words. getting back on topic? It was, um, I had the most tabula rasa world possible. And I asked for a bunch of tabula rasa characters. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to put effort into a campaign that was going to last three weeks. And then when the lockdown went away, we were all going to go back to work and nobody's going to talk to each other anymore. By the opposite token, uh, what I what I like to do is give when you when you tell me who you're playing in the world, um, I like to give everybody like their intro moment in that first session, the first yeah. real game, not the session zero. Like we zoom in on you. What are you doing right now? And if you have built a a, a team up, you know, if you're a pair, or you're a trio, your opening salvo is together to introduce you that way. Building a character who like what would what would your maybe this is good advice for DM to ask or for a player to ask the DM. What what's your first scene in the movie? You know, oh, are from you, like are a you player perspective? Yeah. Like, are you, um, yeah. You know, is your first scene like the blacksmith hammer coming down on the anvil and then we pan back to you wiping your brow and you're at this job that you it's, it's the blacksmith version of, of, uh, of bell and beauty and the beast. Like Oh, enough of this provincial life. And you're waiting, you know, you're looking for adventure. Are you, um, the D D equivalent of, I say this because I have a player who is basically playing Jessica Jones, but a rogue which a is one. a great inspiration but like yeah. are you the D equivalent of throwing last night's shoe at your alarm clock in your first scene in the game like what is it what is your first what is your first cinematic moment as a player character and how does that fit with the world and the campaign that you're in
0: and you know um, i think that's funny because i had not i uh, i mean you've you've asked me that before when we're playing but i have never really put like actual meaningful thought behind it but now that i'm thinking about it like right now in real time it seems like to me when you ask me to do that stuff my first scenes are very reminiscent of like a steven spielberg movie like an indiana mm-hmm. jones or or you know even like aragorn sitting in the the prancing pony like right it's more pulled back it's more subtle it's more, you know, tipping up the hat a little bit just to look Mm -hmm. around and the kind of (laughs) the you know, also like every anime from the late 90s early 2000s (laughs) where you just have like one person walking into like a dusty town or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then later you unfold everything but it's never I I, you know, going back to writing and stuff like that and I think I've talked to you about it before I don't like origin stories Mm -hmm. i like to have a little bit of the mystery of of who that person is and if you want to unfold that over time great but i don't like the you know we before we started recording we were talking about the new batman movie i don't like seeing the pearls hit the ground every single time i i'm done with that i'm tired of that i don't need to see how a person came to be who they are if I want to see who they are right yeah. now. So, but but that's just for me, and that's that's my intro. And everybody can have a different intro.
1: I you you'll barely get a resume from me for a character, but I'll make sure it fits in your setting because I want right. to make sure it's appropriate for the setting. But um, it's more like, well, let's see how, and that's how I write the books. I, I, I every book I've ever written starts with everybody gets a chapter. They get their zoom in, uh-huh. but you don't know everything about how they got there. Um, I, I I say this as someone who just had my last book was an origin story so sorry right. <laughs> As it's not that there's, there's anything a, wrong with it <laughs> but um but you're right like but it took me eight years to decide it was time right before that it's just it's just I, I love and this is a good way to run a character too it's like just throw bits and pieces of the backstory out there like um the first comic book i ever bought with my own money is one of the first jim lee x-men books Everybody knows it. The cover is the Captain America, Black Widow, and Wolverine on the cover, and they're yep. in Madripoor. Yep. And it's like, just randomly, we find out Wolverine was alive and like fighting Nazis in World War II. It's like, what? No explanation. No explanation. And that's amazing because you're like, why is this little ugly, hairy dude still the same age in 1996? Uh huh. I love this. And then they don't tell you. <laughs> And that makes it even better because it's like, it's a little bit of world. It's a little bit of world building that goes so far. Mm -hmm. And world building can be subtle
0: too. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot. It doesn't have to be overt. It can be very quiet and, and just is equally meaningful. And even, you know, briefly to kind of like stay on the coattails of like Marvel and, and all that stuff. It might be good. If you're a player to ask your DM, okay, you know, is this a marvel universe or is this a dc universe yeah is everybody superheroes and they're walking around and don't care what anybody looks at them or does it matter what species you are do -hmm. do people look at you weird if you use magic in the middle of the street like those are important things to know because if you're walking around as a wizard or a bard or whatever, and you're casting mage hand. And, mm. you know, if you, if you're finding a familiar with a snap of your fingers, that might draw attention.
1: Uh, it's, oh, if a DM doesn't tell you how people react to magic or to otherness in their campaign, uh-huh. they're kind of doing you a disservice or the, or that's a question they need to be asked. So they think about it themselves. Like mm-hmm. um, not just Marvel or DC, but like, Okay, are we talking about Game of Thrones? Whereas a little bit of weird, creepy magic that nobody understands, are we talking about Dragonlance?
0: I mean, I think that stuff's really cool to like explore. I would love to play in all those different worlds. Like, yeah, it, I, I think it would be great if you were in a world where you can't use magic in mm-hmm. the street, otherwise, you'll get arrested. It's you know, um, that changes your whole game dynamic.
1: It it does, and you need a warning ahead of time because that changes how you play the character, how you make the character. Yeah, um, and you need to know that ahead of time so that you don't like. It is a dick move by the DM if they don't warn you, and it's like, hey, you know, so I cast a light spell and you know, like, call a little ball of light to you know, or dan- I cast dancing lights. All right, the guards arrest you for for uh, witchcraft, and you're you're burned, you're burned at the stake. Like, yeah, what the. <laughs> But it was you, a cantrip. T- Come on! But if, t- but if you talk about that ahead of time, you know where magic is like this strictly guarded secret. That can give you uh, so much material for your character development. Where did yeah. you learn magic? If it's a, if it's a guarded secret, um, do you dress differently? Like you're not walking around in purple robes with stars on them. You know, like you're walking around like you dress like a farmer just to make sure nobody thinks it, thinks you're up to something. Yeah, um, that lo- it's a it's that low magic versus high magic fantasy uh, settings that. Gets discussed a lot but that can be great inspiration for session zero onward to create the character that you're looking for is like how is how is magic how is war you know like is this a piece is this a peaceful setting has it or are they just coming out of world war Two? you know like what's the what's the vibe
0: is it urban is it farmland is it you know can you walk two days and not see a house or another soul or is it you know, a little bit more congested, a little bit more compact. There's a lot of like details that it's really beneficial to kind of get an idea. And you're not really asking the DM to give away the whole story or to give you a preview. You're asking for just stuff that you would visually see walking around and know as a a character in that world.
1: I, and this is my just, you know, it's the, your preferred style of DMing, but I like ask me the questions and that makes me think about it because I'm not going to think about it until you ask me the question. Yeah. You know, like, is everybody literate Do teach people how to read yeah. or is this like the medieval time where like me, I, I like to have characters find printed things that I, I kind of want you to be able to read. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, yeah. P- people learn how to read it. It is completely limiting. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Um, but like, things um how easy is transportation is this going to be a global spanning campaign or is this one of those things where, like if you go more than 50 miles from home you may never go home again right um like 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 the middle ages and and so and then that forces the dm to consider it and they might not have an answer i always I, you know I say, give me some time to think about it i'll come up with something but you can inadvertently help your dm flesh out their own world by asking questions it's i mean some dms have a game plan walking in and they'll have an answer for every single question you might have they, they got a spreadsheet you know like let me let me open my <laughs> let me open my google docs and share with you the wiki page for my for my my world um whereas other ones would be like you know i hadn't considered yeah. what a loxodon looks uh if, if an elephant man walking down the street is considered unusual in this world or not it's, well and i hope people get
0: the right impression from what we're talking about too because i don't you know People don't need the DM or you as a player, you guys don't need this huge backlog. You don't you don't even need to talk about it for an hour like we have. Right. Just sit down and be like, Yeah, what are you thinking? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Great. And like, you know, even you and I for the one campaign that we're doing and recording right now, I told you I wanted
1: to be a turtle. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't know a tor- <laughs> Yeah. Oh shit. I haven't done turtles before. How would a turtles exist in this world? <laughs> I
0: haven't done um, a turtle but then now it's playing out a little bit more because of how I'm playing him. And because of the fact that there probably aren't a lot of turtles where we currently are, his, uh, odd, his flustering behavior is just making it seem like everybody thinks all (laughs) turtles act weird.
1: Unintentional consequences of having you asking about this player, species that we haven't had in any campaign and i for my own sanity i tend to have everything taking place in the same world it's just easier to work yeah. that way but um like okay i did not know that turtles had an affect Turtles may not actually have an affect you have an affect but if they're not met very often strongly dislike having interspecies dislikes by nature yeah however having a mammalian species not be able to read the facial expressions of a reptilian species uh-huh. doesn't feel dark to me. That feels reasonable. You know, we're just going back to sort of our core question here. Don't underestimate how much asking about asking these questions of your DM can help them build the story. Absolutely. Um, the more... I know what a player cares about. The more I can invest that back into the overall arc, so that there's something. If if I know if I know they've got a soft spot for kids, yeah, I will put a way for them to save an orphanage. You know what I mean? Like that's. <laughs> I, think,
0: I don't know. That might be a good place to wrap up. Is, yeah, I'll
1: call that a good a good. Yeah,
0: I think we're closing statement. We're at about an hour ish. Um, um, okay, so. You can find us at charactersinclass.com or at any and all social media outlets at cnclasspodcast. You can find me at colincarlton.com. And I just recently changed all of my social media handles to Colin Carlton VO instead of
1: splitting it up. You're no longer doing both at the same time. So you have to say... five different handles that's congratulations correct because i discovered
0: i couldn't remember which one was which and it was really <laughs> causing me a lot of like like closing closing speech anxiety and so i just <laughs> i decided to change it
1: well congratulations on narrowing things down yeah thanks um, lean lean thinking uh, lean thinking there we go we're incorporating lean thinking into the uh into the podcast uh <laughs> slash social media world i am matthew fillion i am matt fillion at twitter and instagram matthew fillion on facebook and tiktok god help me (laughs) you made me do it i'm there now i posted three things none of them are funny that's okay i'll get there eventually um matthew if you're looking for book stuff and i gotta plug Hop on our Discord server and tell yes. me what questions you want to ask your DM. Tell me what questions you want your DM to ask you. What what are your campaign? What are your pre-campaign questions? We it's relatively active. It's not not a ton of people there yet, but I'm eternally online and love talking about this game. So
0: you know what you, we um, we brought this up the other day because because Kate, my mm-hmm. wife, said it might be a good idea. If anybody's listening and they want to give us a suggestion of like a class or a character, a uh, class or a species to roll up mm-hmm. in a future episode, hit us up. If you want to give us like a weird pairing, shoot it over. We'll roll yeah, up tell, a character us, for yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Tell us to tell us you've always wanted to see a a gnome berserker barbarian or something <laughs> like that. like Or, yeah. you know. Yeah, if you if you if you if you suggest it, we'll make it happen. Or any of these discussion episodes, if it's something you want to hear us ramble about for an hour, yeah, that um, too. Yeah, if if anybody has a subject they want to hear, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we have apparently we have no problem talking for at length about anything about this game. So yeah, send us your suggestions and uh, join the conversation. We're we're both always on Twitter and Discord and and uh, happy to hear from you. So yeah, all right, cool. Well, uh, we'll see everybody next week.